Jesus wants us to use our hands in a way, or use our voices in a way that impact the world that we live in. To make a mark for him. That we might be salt and light in the world. So if you have a Bible there, just for a few moments this morning, we're going to look at this passage in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. And here in this passage, Jesus talks about two things that are kind of everyday objects that that we kind of take for granted. He talks about salt and he talks about light. Salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, Jesus says. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And it's no surprise that Jesus compares the impact that he wants his followers to make to the impact salt makes. Because whatever else you say about salt, it makes a difference to what you put it on. Now when Jesus is saying these words in Matthew 5, he's not thinking specifically of how we use salt today in the 21st century. When we put it on our food primarily as a something which adds flavor. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. And what he was thinking of, he was thinking of a, a domestic situation. And in Israel, his time, people lived ideally in a house, something like this. This house is a, a replica of the houses that, that would have existed at the time of Jesus. This is in Nazareth, Nazareth village where there would have just been a, maybe a little room in a courtyard. And in that courtyard area, there would have been an earthen oven. An oven. An earthen oven. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying you're the salt of the oven. Because beside the earthen oven, there would have been a dung pile. There was a dearth of trees in, in the ancient Israel. There's not many trees, even if you're to go there today. Wood is in not plentiful supply. Dung was the primary source of fuel for cooking in the household. And they used plates of salt in the oven to be a catalyst to burn the dung. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're that catalyst. You make an impact. You set it on fire. But eventually, it would lose its saltiness. Eventually, it would no longer cause that reaction. and It was only fit to be thrown out. And people would trot on it. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. In his world, that salt made a difference. Because people could cook. And people could eat. And people could feel the warmth. In our world, as we think about salt, think about what it does. It adds flavor, doesn't it? Whatever you put it on, it makes a difference. When you sprinkle it on any food, you instantly taste the difference that salt makes. Or it makes you thirsty, doesn't it? It makes you thirsty. If you have way too much salt, you get thirsty. Why do you think they have lots of salty snacks? In places like bars. They want you to drink. They want you to buy drinks because you get thirsty with those salty snacks. 
Salt makes you thirsty. And it's also a preservative. Food that has been packed in salt lasts so much longer. And here's the thing, the power, the power of salt lies in its difference. The power of salt lies in its difference. Salt is essentially different from what you put it on. And if it wasn't different, it wouldn't make an impact. There would be no use to use it, no use using it. Which is exactly what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5. You're the salt of the earth. Your life is meant to make an impact on the world around you by being essentially different from everything else around you, from everyone else around you. God wants to use you to change the lives of those around you. But of course, you can't really make a difference in the world until God first makes a difference in you. And the truth is, you don't have to be a Christian to serve, to make an impact. I know a ton of volunteers, people who serve in many wonderful projects and endeavors, and they're not Christians. They do some awesome things. They do incredible things. But there's one thing that that they can't do, and that's that they can't share God's love with other people in the way that a Christian can who's already experienced that love and lives in the reality of that love himself or herself. That's what this is about. That's what this is all about. And there's two reasons why Christians end up being ineffective in the world. One is they kind of stay in a Christian huddle. Or two, they get out among people and they're essentially the same as everyone else. They have no impact. Don't be the same as everyone else. Don't lose your saltiness. The world needs your salt. You can add flavor to what everyone else is doing around you. You have the ability to give purpose and depth to so many people around you who are purposeless and shallow. You're just drifting through life. You can make other people thirsty for the lasting satisfaction that only Jesus can provide. Live your life in such a way that you provoke questions in those around you. You can be that preservative that's so necessary in our society to stop people from crumbling away in life. You can direct them to Christ. You can change their life for eternity. You can help people to believe in Jesus. You can make a difference in Belfast by the food that you bring, by the salt that you bring, the food that you bring to the food bank, by going to Mornington and picking up a shovel or wheeling a wheelbarrow and being salt in the community, being essentially different, leaving a mark, making an impact. The power of salt lies in its difference. And the second thing that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5 is light. Light. He says, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. Dark. 
Darkness is a picture of what our world is like spiritually. A world of blindness, a world of darkness, where people stumble about trying to make sense of this thing. And into this dark world, God has placed his disciples to be those particles of light to everyone around them. Think about what light does. When Jesus was using this illustration, he was thinking of the light that a little oil lamp would give in a darkened home. And when people would come in, they would see that lamp on the stand. It would be observable. It would be visible. And its impact on the dark would be experienced by everyone around them. Think about the properties of light. Light helps you see things clearly. And it guides the way ahead. I think there's fear associated with the darkness, isn't there? There's the fear of the unknown. When you're walking in the dark, you walk more slowly so that you don't bump into something. Confidence in the dark is at an all-time low. There's apprehension over that lack of direction that keeps us from natural living. But light helps you see things clearly and it guides the way that you should go. Light also makes you feel safe, doesn't it? Darkness is uncomfortable. When we stumble around in the dark, there's usually a strong feeling of fear. The fear of the unknown, the fear of the dark, and some of us might be afraid of the dark, is frightening and crippling. Several years ago, I took my young people to the Czech Republic on a mission trip. And we went to this beautiful city in the Czech Republic called Kutnahora. And in Kutnahora, there are silver mines right underneath the city. And they rediscovered these medieval silver mines. And uh, I took my teenagers there, and we went into the silver mine. About 40 meters underground, climbing down these endless steps and stairs. And eventually you get to this stretch of about 250 meters of this old medieval silver mine. And they give you a helmet and they give you like a, a, a little white shawl because it shows up in the dark. And they give you a light and you can walk around and explore the silver mine. And you soon discover that people in the medieval times were a lot smaller than they are now. Um, sometimes the height's about, it's about four foot of height in these little narrow passageways. And you get to this point on your journey through the silver mine where the guide stops everyone and she tells everyone to turn off their light. And when you switch the light off, it's dark. Darker than I've ever experienced in my life. Which for a youth pastor with a group of teenagers is the invitation to prank and prank I did. You could hear those squeals 40 meters above ground. But the dark was uncomfortable. People were a little bit nervous. When the light went out, everyone was a little bit more anxious and apprehensive. But when the light came on, the sigh of relief, you could hear it, you could feel it. Everyone felt that little bit safer. The antidote to those feelings of anxiety and fear 
and unknowing is the appearance of light. Light immediately replaces fear with safety. And Jesus does exactly the same for us. His light is the only long-term comfort within the darkness of this world. And then think about another thing that light does. Flashing lights highlight and warn you of danger. When you're driving along the road and you see flashing lights, it's an indication that something up ahead is taking place and you should probably slow down. It lets you know danger awaits. Flashing lights warn you that there's something wrong with the way things are. Light always overcomes darkness. Light always wins. And Jesus describes you as the light of the world. He's saying something here in Matthew 5 very, very powerful about you. God has placed you to be his light in a darkened world, to be his hands, to be his feet. Jesus is not questioning how much light you have. He's not inquiring, is is your light as bright as it should be? He's not questioning whether you have more light or less light than the person sitting beside you right now. He's not asking those questions. He's saying you're the light of the world. The big question, though, in the light of what Jesus is saying is, where are you shining? Where are you shining the light that you have? Jesus said, you don't hide it under a bushel. You don't hide it under a bucket. When light is hidden underneath something, which is what they would have done to extinguish the light, probably, of those little oil lamps before they went to bed. He said, don't do that. Because when you hide light under a bucket, then there's lots of light inside where it's not needed. And there's no light getting out to where it is needed. And yet, being at a church is so important in our lives for accountability and for worship. To ensure that the dimmer switch on our light doesn't get turned down. But the fatal mistake is that often we just stay here. Churches become like giant buckets. There's a lot of light, but it's not shining where it's needed most. So serve. Be salt so by your very difference, you can have a dramatic impact on anyone you meet. Be light in a world that's often marked by its darkness. Several years ago, back in the 90s, when hair, my hair was a little bit longer, my wife and I, Val, she wasn't my wife at the time, but Val and I got to go to Philadelphia and spend some time in Philadelphia and in the United States. And, and we went to, to a part of Philadelphia that was known as the Badlands. It was inner city Philadelphia. It's where they filmed the Rocky movie. For those of you who appreciate a good film. And uh, this area is marked by gang violence, by 
drug abuse, um, by high unemployment. It's a very, very needy place. And when we were in Philadelphia, we got to, to share in some ministry, and, and we met this young man called Matt Feldy. And Matt is here on, on my right in this, in this picture. And uh, when I met Matt, he was about 18 years old. And his dad, Greg, and his family, they decided that they would move in and live in this area of Philadelphia known as the Badlands. And the top right-hand picture, uh, the top right-hand picture in the slide is, is the school that Matt went to. Really tough neighborhood. Really tough place. Um, but they chose that they would live there and that they would be salt and light in this community. That they would witness to people about Christ. That they would try to meet some of the needs that were around them. And Matt, at 14 years old in high school, he was the only Christian in his class. And probably one of the only believers in his whole school. And the other kids hated him for it. Matt tried to be salt, he tried to be light. And one day, as he was walking home from school, there was about ten other kids from his youth group, and they jumped him. And they beat him. And they beat on him so bad that they beat him to the point where they almost took his life. The only thing that saved Matt Feldy's life that day was that his older brother, who was in the U.S. Marines, was home on leave, and he looked out the window, and he saw what was happening, and he saw Matt, and he ran out, and as he ran out, the attackers scattered. Matt was rushed to hospital, and Matt spent several days in a coma, fighting for his life. And his dad, Greg, sat by his bedside, he told me this story. He said, I prayed for my son. I prayed for the life of my son. And then eventually he opened his eyes. And Grace said, I said to Matt, Matt, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry this has happened. We're going to leave this place. We're going to leave. It's just too much. And you know what 14-year-old Matt Feldy said to his dad? He said, Dad, no, we're not leaving. Because if we leave, those guys will think Jesus is just a joke. And Matt Feldy went back to school. And he went back into that classroom. And he was salt and light. And one of the guys who tried to kill him that day became one of Matt's best friends. Matt led him to faith in Christ. His life was transformed. Some of those other guys are in prison now. Some of them are dead. Salt and light. Look at the impact it can make. And it's not going to cost us, I trust and pray, what it cost Matt Feldy. Fitzroy, you and I have experienced the generosity of God. He has invested in us so that we might be generous to other people. We get to be the billboard to a generous God. We get to be salt and light so people can see what God is like and who God is. Fitzroy, you have a generous heart. You have. And as you leave this place 
today and as you scatter across the city, live like Jesus has changed your heart. Be those particles of light. And as you go into this week, may you be generous with your words and with your time and with your resources. This is the way you get to image a generous God who at a harvest time we acknowledge has been incredibly generous to you, to us. May you be salt and light. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your incredible love that changes everything. Thank you for your generosity, for giving us every good thing and for offering us your hands. And we're nailed to a cross so that we could be reconciled to God. Your love has been lavished upon us. And in response to that love, Lord, we get to go and we get to be salt and light. We get to use our hands and our feet and our lifestyles and our voices to be that billboard to you, our generous God. Help us to do that, Jesus, for your glory. Amen.